from the New Testament, the Gospel according to Luke, we're going to read verses thir- uh, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Gospel according to Luke, chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 10 through 17. Brothers and sisters, listen to God's word for us today. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her immediately, she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. A God of healing and reconciliation, you free us from our burdens and promise us safety and refuge. Help us to trust in your power that we may praise you without qualification and rejoice in the power of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. By your word, give us wisdom. By your spirit, grant us healing and set us free to serve you with love. We ask this through the one who heals in your name. Jesus the Christ. Amen. Rules and regulations and policies and procedures and bylaws and labels. Patterns of behavior in terms of systems theory. To cause us all to coexist in peace. And brothers and sisters dare to disturb any of those and bear the result of the anxiety. This is the story that we have today. Like many of us older people who grew up in communities with strict rules about what we could and couldn't do on Sunday, the Jewish community in the time of Jesus also had strict rules about the Sabbath. From sundown on Friday evening to sundown on Saturday evening, Many things that were part of your regular, normal life were out of bounds. Those times were set apart to study the Torah, to talk to your children and your family about God's work in your life, about the history of God with the people, and how God covenanted with the people to be their God was a time to visit and a time to eat a special meal with family and friends. The thing is, 
When people are committed to preserve something that they experience as a positive in their faith. When we want to protect the purity of our faith, we set up rules. And brothers and sisters, before we know it, the rules become the absolute of faith. The rules become the reason that we are resistant to new and other ideas about the practice of our faith. Why we who know everything are resistant to talk about there may be a different way, a better way that we have always done things. Like I have experienced with our baptism practice here in Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church. Our story this morning is an example of anxiety and resistance. Luke tells us that Jesus was again in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Tells us that Jesus was teaching. But this time Luke doesn't tell us outright what Jesus was teaching. Or maybe he did. Maybe he told it through the story that we know so well. But that we have to wait to see what the lesson was. You see, we have heard the story of the healing of a woman whose name we don't know. But a woman who was not anonymous. And the leader of the synagogue, well, he knew exactly what was right. And he objected to a reeling. You see, this man took the many laws in scripture about keeping the Sabbath very serious and literal. Do you know those laws? Thou shalt not. This is what you must do. But to him it was very serious and, and it was literal. This is what God said. And who are we to interpret? The joke of this is that the Jews and the Jew, Jewish rabbis all the time interpreted it. And you get thick volumes of interpretations. But the leader at this time could not see that mercy might be more important than the rigid rules. He couldn't see that God might work in generous new ways. In and through the person of Jesus the Christ. In whom the kingdom of God has come near and has come in a new way. And so Jesus argues that there is a deeper intent beneath the surface of the laws that we find in the Bible. I know the lawyers cringe. Maybe, and this may be what Jesus was teaching... Jesus wanted us all to hear that we don't keep laws. That we don't keep religious laws at that. Just for the sake of keeping a law. But rather for the greater purpose the law serves. The Old Testament brothers and sisters had two traditions about the Sabbath. The first tradition is, of course, in Exodus chapter 20, where we get the Ten Commandments. And in Exodus 20, the Sabbath is linked to the first creation story in Genesis. 
where God rested after six days of creating. And where God commanded the people to rest on the seventh day. So when a community rests on the seventh day, they acknowledge the fact that God, no, that humans live in God's world. They acknowledge the fact that they are not controlled in this world that God has created. The second tradition in Deuteronomy 5, also the Ten Commandments, connects the Sabbath to freedom from slavery and oppression, to release from captivity in Egypt. And I suspect in Luke, this is the tradition that Jesus had in mind when he reminds the synagogue leader and the other listeners of other instances where the law allows for untying and setting free. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? You see, if it's lawful to untie your animals and even lead them, which might be work, might, might, uh, and take them to the water to drink, if that is not considered work by the Old Testament, how much more could he release this woman whose condition is described as bound by Satan for 18 long years? The greater purpose, brothers and sisters of God's laws, the Ten Commandments, all the religious regulations in the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, all those had the welfare of people in mind in whatever need they were. Those laws pointed us to the freedom that we find in Christ Jesus for the New Testament. So if keeping the law obstructs caring for someone, human or animal in need, then the choice should be easy. You break the law. You break it if needed to be able to take care of someone in need. And so the Sabbath is all about freedom. Whether it's the Jewish Sabbath on Saturday or the Christian day of rest and worship on Sunday. Keeping this day, brothers and sisters, coming together to worship reminds us all that we too have been captive. That we all have been set free in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But do we know that? Is Sunday not a day of religious obligation? Not a day about what we do for God to get together here and to sing and whatever we do on Sundays. Now the 13th chapter in Luke is a very interesting chapter. It begins, and I invite you to go home and read Luke chapter 13. It begins with a call from Jesus to people to repent or to perish. Twice, repent or perish. And then follows a parable. The owner of a garden wanted to cut down a fig tree which bore no fruit. The tree was saved by the gardener who pleaded for the tree. Master, 
Allow me to, to, to loosen the ground and to give a little fertilizer and water and we give it another year, maybe. And then follows the story of the daughter of Abraham, a child of the covenant who was bound by Satan and by the behavior of the supervisor of the synagogue. And after this, brothers and sisters, follows three parables about how God's kingdom grows. What's the intention of Luke that God's kingdom will grow if we begin to live in the freedom of God's word rather than calling on the law to prevent us from thinking in a new way? And what if Sunday became for us a celebration of what God did for us in Christ? And remembering that we too are called to free other people. To set other people free who are bound for whatever reason. I think this is a story about the rule and the function of our religious traditions. About our claims about what could and should be practiced on the Sabbath or any other day for that matter. And who is allowed within the walls of our synagogues and our religious communities? Last week we, we, we heard about the early church and how Peter had to explain to the leaders in Jerusalem why he had a meal with the uncircumcised people. Peter, didn't you know it's against the law? Didn't you know you will become impure? And Peter said, no, he went there because they too, like us, received the Holy Spirit when they believed in Jesus. Today it is this woman, bent over from whatever illness, who is not seen by the leaders and by the religious people, Maybe she was just an irritation to them to, to see the signs of brokenness every Sunday, every Sabbath for them, every day of the week, and to be reminded of someone who's broken. And maybe they felt and thought that they could do nothing to restore her, to fellowship, to heal her. Who knows? Because... She wasn't as healthy as the other and she wasn't allowed in the holy parts of the temple at least. And this woman is restored to full, a full community by Jesus. Did you see who calls her a daughter of Abraham, a daughter of the covenant of grace? How many children of the covenant do you know who once worshipped here, maybe still worship here, who are excluded from full communion by our special religious practices and our clear religious ideas. We know what is said in the Old Testament about. Maybe... Maybe, brothers and sisters, we put up a few gates and hoops and reasons why people do not want to be part of our congregation, why they don't want to get into this building, why they rather go and find a community where they are welcome and where they can worship and where they can believe, uh, 
where they can experience the presence of God's Spirit among them. Have you ever paused to think how many people show up all the time at our places of worship on Sundays who are looking for and hoping for or praying for healing of one kind or another? People who come because it's Sunday, because they hope God will come near if they dare to go inside the sanctuary or because they do not know where else to turn. Someone said um, the title of this sermon is interesting. And I said, yes, Jesus remains an irritation to me. Because I know what I would have been if I didn't run smack into Jesus. You see, many people arrive here with a feeling that their life is defined by some aspect of our own brokenness. Defined by our fragility and and our ailment and our differences. And they are not always people who walk in off the streets or come as first-time guests. Maybe there are some of you who are weekly worshippers in the pews as well. But we're not allowed to say that, are we? We're all perfect and all. Jesus, who lived and worshipped within the traditions and the limits of the Jewish religion of his day, did not allow tradition or even the law to exclude certain people from admission to full community, to full fellowship and, and, and potential for becoming all persons accepting their identity as children of Abraham, as children of God's covenant. And did you read, many in the crowd agreed. I wonder why they didn't speak up in the beginning. Many in the crowd agreed and then they praised God. And of course, this irritated the leaders so much that they decided to kill Jesus. After the previous healing in Luke, it's put outright that they planned to kill him. So my question, brothers and sisters, do our religious traditions help us to become the kind of community where the grace of God and the love of Jesus is experienced as a reality? Or do we have traditions and ways that we have always done and patterns in place that makes us so exclusive that nobody wants to be here anymore? except us who have been here always. The love of Jesus and the grace of God as a reality, do we experience that? Or do we use traditions and laws and bylaws, and and I was looking at policies this morning, do they protect our identity as a country club church to shield us against the reality of a world in need? to shield us against the reality of a changing world going by. A world that is so much different than it was three or four years ago. Do we allow only people in who behave like we behave and do like we do and believe like we believe to be here with us? I hope for now Luke is done with this topic because I've had enough about this, of this. The pastor, brothers and sisters, can say only so much and then pray for change 
And then pray that the Spirit will truly come and, and convince us of God's truth. But Jesus is going to irritate us. I will stop irritating you, but Jesus will continue to irritate us. Because Jesus continues to push against our boundaries, push against our policies, and things we have always done to cause anxiety in us until we change. Every time we turn and try to get away from Jesus, we'll run into him. In our synagogue on a Sunday, in our holy sanctuary here in Mount Pleasant Presbyterian campus, you will run into Jesus, trust me, in the people that you have to face every Sunday and every day of the week because we think we are so exclusive. Jesus will not leave us alone until. The question to me is how long? How long before we are declared a victory with no fruit? Amen.